Lexus Absolute Rally, powered by the Kielder Works team. Cordless tools tailored for the world of motorsport. Oh, and welcome to Absolute Rally, episode 14, season 21. That's one number I have never said at this point of a podcast before. Um, so uh, we're, we're kind of back to some kind of absolute rally normality uh, this week um, because I've got I've got two old stages with me uh, in many ways. We've got Trevor Agnew. There you go. I said it right, Trev. Hello. Hello, how are you? An old stager. An old stager. And and, and Jackie Boy Bengen, who, who I've missed terribly. I'm feeling better this week, to be honest. I know, we've missed your birthday. 28 years of age. 28. Wow. Trev, can you remember what it was like to be 28? What were you doing when you were 28? I, I just think he's, he's half my age, isn't he? Can you remember what you were doing? He's when half you were t- my age. Can you remember what half you were doing? Half your intelligence as well, Trev. <laughs> I doubt it. Trev, have you any recollection of being 28? Uh, no. Um, that's a good thing, isn't it? I think so. I'm just trying to see. I'm, I'm just trying to picture myself. How old was I? I was born in 1974, so a quick, quick set of maths here. Where was I at 28? Was I, is that 2002? Yeah, I was 2002. So, uh, ironically, Trev, to come full circle, you, I was rallying and you were... You were with me at one point. There you go. So, to make a, an old reference um, viable again, that was 2002. BRC. Yeah. I was 1992, I think it would have been for me then, where I might have been co-driving in an Escort Cosworth. That's quite cool, isn't it? Wow. Do you know, and mm. do you know, isn't it funny how stuff like that's coming full circle again now? I've seen on... Um, I kind of feel like some of the t- some of some of the older teams have maybe missed the trick here, but um, I've already seen it on Pro Drive's uh, social media link that uh, they just finished Petters. I think uh, Japan car from 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 2004. They've done a full restoration on it for an owner. Um, Pro Drive collectibles or collectors. Um, uh-huh. I'm surprised, you know, that some of the other teams, even though a lot of the staff have gone now and obviously gone to other places and restorations do happen, I'm really surprised that maybe M Sport haven't got a division like that and maybe even Citroen Racing to some degree. Um, you know, God knows what happened to all the Mitsubishi stuff. I think that that, that ended up with various people. But there was the, 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 there's, the, there's a thing now, isn't there, for people to have cars restored so they can go and do things like Goodwood. Have you seen the job that Viking Motorsport have done on the Rothmans car for for DR? Uh, yes, uh, just I, incredible. The detail, the attention to detail, now is just amazing. I think. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, um, if you if you have have any dealings with Phil, and I do, um, you know his attention to detail is 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 there in absolutely everything. I can say that. I can say that. Uh, just before we just before we go any further, right? If you could have any restored car, Trev, if you could have a car, not necessarily you've sat in, but you know, from yesteryear where somebody was going to hand it to you and go, right, that that's yours, but you've got to keep it, you know, till death do us part, so to speak. What would you have? What a great question. Um, I I I just love those Rothmans escorts, so that's why I was so attracted to that one. Okay. Um, I don't know, maybe, I always like the Italia, Alitalia paintwork. Yeah. So maybe a Stratus and Alitalia paintwork, something like that. Okay, see, this is this is going to show a massive, this is going to show our age groups, our age bands here. Uh, Jackie Boy, what would you have, can give you something absolutely well, pristine? Good, it's good to Fabio R2. <laughs> <laughs> I'd probably order an R2, expect an R5 and then get an R3. <laughs> 
mine, mine would definitely be a E30 M3, the one that Patrick Snyder drove on the Manx in 88, for sure. You see, cool. you're the anomaly in all this, aren't you? I forgot. Because, well, yeah, I'm a bit of a freak, aren't I? So. Yeah, no, because, and I mean that with love as ever, but you're not speaking as a 28-year-old man. You're speaking as, as, as an anorak, rally anorak, and there's a difference. A walking bobble hat. Yeah, pretty what about much. The extra vision, the black one that Michael used, us Michael used in Ireland. The black M3, that was a cool looking car too. All mm. of the M3s that went to Ireland ended up looking um, looking really good, but I think for me, just that car, it's just it's just. Uh, I think I think all cars that you you desire like that have some sort of impact on you from a from a point where you can sort of teleport back in time and remember where you were when you saw it competing or um, when you saw your first picture of it or, or whatever. And with the with the M3 for me, it was just um, seeing the, the 88 Rally Championship and, and watching that video as a, as a kid. Um, my dad had that video in his collection and was always the one I wanted to watch. So. I'm really envious that you two have got a definitive answer that way you can, you've got your go-to because I haven't got a go-to because I almost feel like... Well, I'm not- tomorrow. Okay, well, that's all right. I don't feel quite as bad then because there's, there's such a part. I mean, you probably heard me last week getting very, very giddy because Gwyndaf was on with us, uh, knowing stuff about Gwyndaf's career. He didn't even know, <laughs> which probably sums me up perfectly. So I've got this kind of thing where I would love to, 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 to have an F2 car. Um, yeah, just on, just on that, right? Yeah. At the start of that program, you're talking about F2 and you're trying to remember all the people who are involved in F2. <laughs> At the end of the nineties, and you went through a definitive list for about a minute and a half. You ended up with Kai Lindstrom. I know, and and I other people about, you know It's funny enough. I did have a message about that. So go on. And your point was, I didn't mention you. No, I didn't say that at all, Tony. I'm just saying it took you a long time to get to Kai Lindstrom. Well, I was trying to think of Tapio Lauchan. That was the problem. And you know what? Genuinely, somebody that mentioned- Irish bloke. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> somebody mentioned. <laughs> somebody genuinely messaged me last night and said, "I think the person you were trying to think of on last week's podcast was was Tapio Lauken." And I said, "Yeah, I know. He was actually on our podcast nearly five years ago, the th- uh, episode three of when we changed the branding from Total Rally to Absolute Rally. That's how long ago it was." Um, so yes, yeah, so I'm I'm sorry, Trev. I'll be honest with you. When I listened to it back when I was doing the edit and tidying it all up with Alistair. I did kind of go, <laughs> I forgot to mention Shreff. <laughs> I actually typed a text, a tip, I typed a message to you and deleted it. I thought, no, that's far too petty. I'll never mention it again. <laughs> oh dear, that, that, that's made me chuckle. It has proper, proper made me chuckle. Um, listen, boys, obviously we question now, and I think we should, I think, I think we should invite the, uh, the absolute rally listeners to send us in the, the cars that they would pick as well and, and see if they've got a definitive, definitive answer or whether it would uh, change daily for them as well. Okay, I'm sure we've done this before, haven't we? We, we, we probably have, but we... You Rally know. car liveries? No, I th- do you know what? I don't think it's liveries in this instance. I just think it's one of those things that... Um, I tell you what, let's change it a little bit. Let's change it up a little bit. Let's make it so you can have any car, but actually you can't have that livery. So how much does the livery sway your decision on having that car? Because you've just, you've just said it there, Trev, you know, that you were talking about the Alitalia, um, mm. livery there on the, the Stratus. Would you be interested in the Stratus if it was just a plain colour? Interesting. Oh, yeah. Okay. V6 Dino engine on it. Yeah. Uh, the other one clearly is a 306 Maxi. Yeah. And, and I'd seen, and that's where it's I'm at. That's where yeah. I'm at. But. Okay. I go through, I'll, I'll, I'll give you my three definitives before I'm going to move on from this. Okay. So. F2 car, um, 
anything, anything in tarmac spec F2 wise, to be fair. There's not many that I kind of felt let down by them. Um, so from, from, from that point of view, I can go, I could go super 1600, but I won't. I'll stay away from that. I will go to uh, a strange one in many ways because it was a, it was a, it was a go between and it was a period I remember really, really well. Um, it was when that transition from Boreham to M Sport and we had the Escort World Car, which was kind of a, a go between between Boreham and M Sport while obviously they were getting ready to do the focus. I had a bit of a thing for, 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 for the Escort World Car. Um, and I still have to this day. I still have to this day. But my definitive wheel rally car from any period is a 206 wheel rally car in tarmac spec. Trev, I know you've been in one. I know you've been in one before, before we say anything at this point. I'm so jealous. Yeah. You've been in an F2 car and you've been in a 206 wheel rally car. Right. Just let it go, Trev. My job here is done. (laughs) Good lad. I'll retire from the co-driving seat now. No, done that. Okay. All right. Listen, um, Boy, I wanted to just catch up on a couple of things. Obviously, we know uh, we know how the world is at the moment, and it's it's very much like a broken record. But we're getting um, we are getting mixed reports with regards to to Monza. I think it's going to be I think it's going to be very much touch and go um, at the moment um, with regards to that event. I, I you know, apart from that, that let's put. Let's put the human side of it to one side. I don't really want to talk about that. It's not the place for, 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 for us to be talking about that. I just feel like, aside from the human aspect to it, um, from, a, from a, a sporting point of view, I just feel, Jack, just to give, I suppose, um, uh, just to give Elvin that run out, I suppose, to, to, in order to suppose... Hopefully, fingers crossed with everything crossed, unless, of course, you're Australian, um, that he wins the championship. Yeah, I think it's it's a difficult one, isn't it? I think, um, you know, a lot of people are going to say that this is a an asterisk year. That's what people like to use in sports, isn't it? That's the term. I, I hate it. can't stand it. But people like to use it a lot about, you know, whether someone deserves a championship if there's been a, a certain number of rounds or, or whatever. But, yeah, I think... The WRC is up there with the most difficult championships to win in in motorsport, and uh, I don't think anything's taken away from the fact that Elvin's going to hopefully, um, in in his case, win this with fewer events than would be normal in the WRC. But yeah, I think it would be very important to to try and have that last event and just you know get out and and really um, you know show that you know the, the the reason why he's winning the championship is because he's been the best driver this year and, and proving that in 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 Monza. But you know he might approach it as a you know, needing to finish in a certain position and, and might not go all out for for the rally win, and you know you might get a, a different kind of scenario out of it. So it's a it's a difficult one for Elvin because he's always going to you know he's always going to face those critical people who say um, you know it wasn't a full season of the WRC and um, you know all that kind of stuff. And then there's obviously the people who who don't think uh, the WRC should finish in in Monza as well. And you know I think those people are you know, either don't know anything about the Monza rally or, uh, you know, haven't seen the plans for the for the expansion of it because, um, you know, w- what people have to remember is that we're not in normal circumstances here. We can't just go and have a five-day safari rally, at, you know, whenever we want. You know, we're constrained with, um, you know, government situation, um, you know, what... Uh, you know what events can actually do in terms of putting on a WRC event, but also with the coronavirus and the the implications there. So it's a it's a difficult way to end the season. Um, I think you can look at it in many different ways and and talk about it in many different ways. But for me, 
you know, if the WRC is, uh, you know, for me, if it's anything more than five events long, then, you know, I'm, I'm happy with that. Trev, what's, uh, again, you know, I, I'm really conscious here of, of not being disrespectful, but I, just be for, for, for what we are, I want to remove the human aspect. For, for me, just following on from what Jack said, and I suppose the same point where I may, I just kind of wanted to have that, that event to clinch it. I think it just, it, it, just, it just feels right that he has an event to clinch it. Does that make sense? I hear what you're saying, but I personally can't get, uh, can't forget about the human element because if I was in a situation now where I was in a works team and I had to go to Monza, and if the situation is bad or getting worse the way that it seems it is, you know, and it's, it's a point you just have to look at. Uh, all I can go on is the coverage that's been in the uh, A&E wards in the UK where every year in wintertime it's always a bit of a disaster anyway, people in trolleys and corridors. It's going to be horrendous this year. So that's the part of it that I would struggle to go to Italy to a rally if that was happening in the country. And here I am in a rally. But I get exactly what you're saying from Elvin's point of view and, and from Jack's as well, what people are saying. For me, first and foremost, he's done what he's done for the first few rallies in the year and he's done really well Elvin so you know everybody had the opportunity to do that so he's he's genuinely in the lead because he's deserved it and he's driven brilliantly he's upped his game uh, the second element is yeah of course I, I, I've spoke before about it going to a country and run the rally in a country and can you if there's spectators involved can you actually socially distance the spectators in Italy um, I certainly saw some photographs in the weekend in Hungary and I think there were some challenges let's call it around that part of it so it just doesn't sit with me uh, but I hear your point that Elvin would definitely like to go out and have a go and of course it's going to be a tricky event in November at that time or sorry, just start of December in Italy. Uh, you don't know. You could have you could have snow. You could have ice. Absolutely, absolutely. I think uh, again. I, I just feel. I, I just feel that like we we, we kind of need this season to end. But you know, I, again, I'm I'm so on the fence. I've got splinters in my ass. Let's put it that way. I'm so on my fence. I've got splinters in my ass. But still, there you go. Um, I, I want to talk about and it's, it's, to be fair, we only kind of do it in a bit of a, a specialist type way. Uh, normally we normally get somebody on um, we've had Chris Rawls on, we obviously we've had Julesy on in the back in the, in the past as well and, and various drivers who, who've done it it was ERC last weekend, uh, you've just mentioned it there, Trev Rally Hungry um, uh, we'll, 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 we'll come to the fact that we, we, we had Andreas dominate it um, and that always brings me into a really interesting mindset and you, this is first point to you I guess Trev, in that Andreas has gone there and dominated um, now, there's two trains of thought here. He's gone there and dominated because he is, 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 you know, world class level. Or he's gone there and dominated because obviously he has been competing at a high level, but also the other drivers there have got their own agendas. So they're not going to get into a fight with Andreas because Andreas isn't going to take points off them. Discuss. Yeah, he came in and he dominated because he's relaxed. And I suppose if he hadn't have done that, there'd have been a lot of questions around it. But he's done the same with WRC too, you know, when he, when he dropped back down to there and ran the Skoda for the first three or four rallies. I can't remember what year it was now, but apart from one big crash, he was dominating there. Uh, what's the level like in WRC too as it was back then versus ERC? Uh, probably similar. You know, you've got the like of Craig, Brader, Craig Green in there. All, all fairness, I suppose he's on development tires, etc. But uh, yeah, you'd expect him to do it. Uh, definitely, there'd be a lot of questions asked if he finished third. 
Um, I suppose, Jack, the, the, the point where I'm clumsily as ever kind of getting to is that, you know, is it, is it a disservice to the other drivers when obviously clearly you've got, you know, the likes of, I suppose, Oliver Solberg, Lucky Nook, you know, Craig Breen to, to, to a degree as well, who are all, uh, for, for, for either a championship or their own agenda, so to speak. Um, well, I think, you know, Mickelson's, um, uh, you know, not done that many rallies in the past, uh, year or so, has he? And, uh, as, you know, has come back in and, and been very impressive. Obviously, um, you know, that, that experience of, of writing notes at a WRC level, uh, and competing every day, every week against the likes of, uh, you know, Sebastian Oje and, and Yari Matilat for the like he did is, is going to raise you to a, an elite level and a, an experience that other drivers just can't buy. But yeah, I think, um, you know, I think if you look at the times, I mean, after five stages, Lucky Nook was, you know, just over five seconds behind. So I think, you know, if you extrapolate that over the course of the rally, I think Lucky Nook would have been, you know, in with a shout. And also, Craig obviously had the engine problem that, that really kind of scuppered his chances. But, you know, Craig wasn't trying to win that rally. He was trying to fight for a championship, as you alluded to with some of the other guys. Uh, you know, they're, they're there to, to try and score points when, you know, Mickelson's not in the in the championship hunt. So, you know, all the guys want to win the rally. You know, no, no one starts the rally to lose it, do they? It's, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's just not how sport's done. But at the same time, um, you know, they're looking at Mickelson as a bit of an alien who's who's come into the championship, not competing for the, for the overall honours and someone who's clearly, you know, competed at a different level and, and and had different levels of experience so you know who knows where you know Craig Breen would be if he was teammates with with OJ and Lapler in Apollo for for two or three years you know we, we just don't know that do we but what we do know is that you know things were a little bit closer before looking up went out of the picture and, and Craig had the engine problem and that the the drivers behind Nicholson you know are, are driving for a championship to to win a championship so it's just a you know it's, it's just how these events play out and you have to be sensible when you approach these these kind of um, you know, not necessarily. Well, yeah, isn't it? You know, it's an elite level, isn't it? So, you know, these guys are trying to win an elite level championship, and and that's what that's what the weekend was all about for me, really. Okay. Um. The the, the, the I suppose it's not the elephant in the room for for, for everybody, and you know, we all seen. I thought it was quite interesting the 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 the, the footage. Obviously, it's it's Eurosports on the championship, so obviously they've got this platform to obviously they do stuff online as well, but obviously they've got the roundup programs which. Which I must, I must admit, Trev took me back to yesteryear when I was kind of waiting for a Eurosport program to come on with fear that it would be replaced by badminton or something like that at some <laughs> point. But that always used to happen. You set a video to record and you'd end up getting like international badminton from like Jebel Ali or something like that. You'd always end up getting some extra sport that you weren't planning on. But I did stay up and I did watch the, the, the roundup programs, but the, 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 the level of coverage they gave, um, the moments after um, Alexi Nukinuk had checked in early as co-driver had checked him in five minutes early I, I'm going to hold my hand up here and say I'm really going to struggle to pronounce his surname uh, or indeed his first name so I'm not going to insult him by trying to pronounce it which I don't know whether it's actually worse trying to pronounce it or not pronounce it but they had a moment where they checked in it was five minutes early you've seen and it's well documented of course I seem to remember it happened a, a good few years ago in the in the vineyards Um with yes, Chevy Pons, um, his co-driver, and there was a lot of footage shown of the this downbeaten co-driver who's been obviously absolutely lambasted by everybody, 
And he just looked a very, very lonely man. And it's just, you know, Killian Duffy and I, who's coming up, Killian's coming up a little bit later on, talking about co-driving course that he's running. But we briefly talk about it in the middle of the podcast. But you've been a professional co-driver. You've been a co-driver at the highest level of the sport. Um, I, I genuinely felt like I wanted to join the co-drivers union and, and kind of say, look, you know, it, it's, it, it, I've used this analogy before. It is like a goalkeeper making a mistake in terms of football. You know, it's, it's, it's one that's massively flashed up and becomes very, very obvious. And it's the same for co-drivers. How do you, how do you manage that, Trev? How, you know, when you see something like that, does that give you, you know, a, a cold shiver or whatever? How do you see it? I just think it's horrible. <laughs> First and foremost, it's, it's something that is so easy to do. Uh, um, you, you, you genuinely blown away. I don't remember doing it myself. I don't remember checking in early in my career. Uh, I don't remember it. if I had have done it. I definitely would have remembered it, I think, because it's just one of those things that, uh, it depends. You know, this, this, I don't know what the circumstances, the exact circumstances were in this situation. I know the stage is delayed by eight minutes. So maybe that had an effect on it. But either way, uh, when a co-driver checks in early uh, is the horrible, most, one of the most horrible things to see. Uh, and more for me, the reaction of the driver, uh, in that situation because it's totally unfair. It's totally unjust and it's having zero empathy with the person sat beside you, especially from someone like Alexei Lukinuk. If you think back, I don't know why it was the same co-driver, but you think of some of the horrendous accidents and crashes that he's had. Um, and I'm sure the co-driver didn't say to him at any point, sorry, mate, or didn't need to talk about having anger management issues. Uh, so it's just, just this lack of empathy when it comes to a co-driver making a mistake like that. And you're right, you know, you, you get one go to do it. Like he's strike one. He could be gone. Uh, he might be it's lucky. A new, it's actually a new co-driver for this year, by the way, Trev. Sorry, say again. It's his new co-driver for this year. Right. Okay. I didn't know that. But yeah. and again, I've seen it in golf. I remember, I think it was Ian Woosnam who arrived at the tee and he, an extra club or not enough clubs in his bag and his caddy then literally got the sack then two or three weeks later, you know, on the back of that. And it's just something that is so easy to do, but yet you don't do it. Uh, so you think of the number of times that poor man's going to be checking his time card now going forward every single time. And uh, it'll stay with him. It's the unfortunate thing. You know, everybody will remember that. Jack, um, you, you, you've been both sides of the card as well. And, and I, I, I know we've, we, we, we've both, obviously competed at national level and things like that. But um, when you see something like that, and I'm, 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 inter- I'm interested, one from a journalistic point of view, whether it makes a story, and one from your own personal experience as well, is that, and I, 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 I kind of mention this a bit later on as well, but it's something I've been thinking about a great deal um, during downtime of what drivers can be doing at the moment, what young drivers can also be doing other than sitting on simulators and things like that. Do you feel that a driver should have more of an understanding of what the co-driver does than what perhaps most of them do? Uh, that's a, a difficult question to ask to answer in terms of the you know a rally driver as a, as a whole. But I think it's always important to understand every job in in you know when you get into 
you know, you're being championship Sorry to interrupt, but there's a lot to be said for drivers, you know, going to learn cars and you hear about stories about them going up to the team and they'll have half a day with the team changing, you know, a wishbone or something like that, which I think is all really, really important. And you look at, you know, uh, you know, we talked about Elvin, of course, before we all know how Elvin is with, good, with, with, with stuff like that. But just on a, on a, on a wider scale, sh- should we not know every aspect in order to, to make us perhaps more rounded? Yeah, yeah, it was just what I was about to say with the the kind of elite aspect of the the, the ERC. You know, any FIA championship or if you're competing internationally, you should have a, a working understanding of every element of the team. And you know, the, the, whether that's the uh, the PR aspect, the media aspect. Obviously, the the drivers have to work with the team to to convey the message of the team properly and and not um, you know go against that as as uh, you know in a in a harmful way or uh, you know a way that would you know, affect the the reputation of the the manufacturer or, or the team or whatever. And you know, it's the same with, um, you know, learning how to uh, repair the car and learn how the engineers are, are working hands on with the car. And and yeah, you know, learning what the co-driver does and knowing, um, you know, what they have to go through. And you know, I, I don't necessarily think it was a misunderstanding of what a co-driver does from looking up from 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 his reaction. You know, I think that was just a um, a bit of the toys out of the pram moment. A, a, you know, a driver with a big ego. Who, uh, you know, is a uh, you know, extremely talented, and you know, as 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 always been, uh, you know, very strong at, at that, that that elite level ever since he kind of burst onto the scene with the with the Mitsubishi and kind of shocked everyone with his you know his, his sideways driving in places like Estonia. But you know, the at the end of the day, these guys don't get to this level without thinking that they're you know at least uh, as good as or better than their their competition, and they have a, an element of. Um, you know the world's against them, and the, that they're the best driver, and they should be competing at, at the WRC level. And you know, I'm not necessarily saying that's exactly what happened to Alexei, but you know, I think he's a, I think he's a good driver who has uh, had things go for and against him over the course of his career. And you know, in moments like that, I think um, you know he's a little bit more, uh, um, you know, he's a little bit more likely to kind of see to. Um, you know, a bit of a toys at the pram moment and, and getting a bit of, a, you know, upset about something that's happened outside of his control. But I think, you know, thinking about it afterwards, um, you know, if the if the damage done there between the two of them is, um, you know, um, if they can reconcile that, I think, um, you know, Alexi will be very apologetic and, uh, you know, behind the scenes, he'll, you know, be aware of the the kind of uh, the situation that he created and, and kind of made things worse by, you know, how he, how he reacted. But yeah, you know, you're right. I think, um, you know, drivers should know exactly what the co-drivers are doing and, and should feel the especially the co-driver because in in so many ways it's such a thankless task because you know so much of how we interpret a driver's career is down to the media or fans or you know interpreting results but with co-drivers it's so much more difficult to do that and you know at the end of the day if they if they do a good job then you know obviously Trevor's a much better person to speak about this but the co-driver if they've done a good job they know they've done a good job and they can have uh, you know a lot of um you know, self enjoyment out of that, and and really appreciate the job that they've done, but they're they're rarely um, you know credited outside of uh, you know the team and 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 by the media for what they've done. So, um, in in many ways, it's such a thankless task to be a co-driver at an elite level. And when something like that happens, it's it's exactly like your goalkeeper analogy. You know, the the defence will have made mistakes, the midfield will have made mistakes, and the strikers will have made mistakes. But it's the goalkeeper who uh, you know quite often gets blamed for for goals going in. So, it's uh, you know it's a very difficult situation and um, one that we don't actually see it at that level very much anymore. And yeah, I was quite surprised that Dimitri Aramov, you know, kind of made that mistake having competed for, for 20 odd years and, um, 
you know, is, is, is just made a, a small error under pressure. But, it, you know, that's the thing with a co-driver. If they make a small error under under, under pressure, um, sometimes the, the consequence is so much bigger than a driver making a small error that he can recover the car and, and carry on. Jack, Tony, take you a talk- breath. Take a breath, Jack. <laughs> T- Tony, you talked about him throwing his toys out of the pram. When was the last time you saw a co-driver throw his toys out of the pram if they've had a crash or gone off or something um, had happened? Do you know what? Uh, never. I'll, I'll, I'm gonna. I'm gonna go full disclosure here. Very, very brief. I have actually had it happen to me where I've been checked in um, on an event right at the end, and I absolutely lost my shit. Not to put too fine a point on it. Not very proud of my reaction on that day. Uh, still to this day, to be perfectly honest with you, but there was a massive backstory on what it took to get there at that point and to lose a result on on something like that. But it's still wasn't great of me to react that way even at you know the, the level i was at a national level and british level but yeah um it's it, I, I guess it's a it's it's a it's a build-up of pressure but i've not seen men I, I can't recall any 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 kind of i suppose famous instance with, with, with co-drivers you know giving a driver a bollocking yeah, um, like there you go again. You're trying to break my, my legs, you bollocks. <laughs> you yeah. That, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, Trev, before we get to any other business, because I'm really conscious of time. Right. Uh, in uh, qu- Same question to you. Do you think that an aspiring driver should be put more effort into understanding what's going on the other side of the car these days? Um, not necessarily the details of the code. I was just, okay. I, I can go back to this thing, the, the empathy. Just put yourself in the other person's shoes. Did that co-driver intend to do that? Was it, was it something he wanted to do? Definitely not. It's a mistake. It's just, yeah. you know, it's a mistake at the end of the day. We all make them. We all continue to make them. Very much so. Um, boys, believe it or not, we're, 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 we're headlong into any other business, uh, cause we are pressed for time for you guys today. So, um, Trevor Agnew, your any other business for this week? Yeah, just a change of tech for me. Um, as you'll know, I haven't really been doing many podcasts myself lately. Uh, lots of different reasons and some excuses, but I've just been trying to put something together. I think it might be add a little bit more value in the current climate because I've just been chatting to so many people who've lost their jobs, some people who have been affected and tested positive with COVID and certainly had friends and family. So I'm putting something together at the minute just to try and help out a little bit with that and just help maybe steer people through that uh, sense of loss and things like that. So it is a complete change from interviewing successful people. So uh, it's just just something that I feel that might be useful, uh, but everybody's going to be the judge of that whenever whenever I do get it out there, hopefully at the weekend. Okay, good luck, mate, because to be fair, your podcast got me through many runs and I haven't been running for a good while, and I blame you <laughs> the fact you haven't produced any podcasts. So it's on you, the fact I'm now half a stone heavier. Jack, um, <laughs> oh, you're any other business, sir? Uh, I, my any other business is a plea to uh, Gary Boyd to uh, come on the show or at least give us some information next week because okay. the Battle of Jack, Jack's Ridge takes place this week. Uh, which is nothing to do with me, is an event in it New Zealand. Like a euphemism, that has to be said. <laughs> the Battle of Jack's Ridge. It does. It sounds a bit dodgy, doesn't it? Well, it sounds maybe. Like maybe Gary knows why it's called that. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm sure he'll tell us. Go on. Sorry, mate. I interrupted. My bad. No, no, it's fine. So there's a there's there's a two day event going on this weekend in New Zealand, which is basically uh, using some of the stages that would have been used on Rally New Zealand, which has obviously not gone ahead. Um, you know, organisers of Rally New Zealand are kind of involved as well and have done a great job of pulling together some some big names. Hayden Padden doing the event. Um, for me, 
obviously uh, a few roundy roundy guys doing it which is uh, very interesting from from my uh, my side of things so Shane van Gisbergen um who is just uh, uh, an an absolute talent and if you uh, if you need to dip your toe into the water of circuit racing as a rally fan and you need to watch something then Australian V8 supercars is definitely a way to go it's all sideways there's too much power for the, for the amount of grip and it's uh, it's proper wheel banging door to door racing Shane Redgisbergen is one of the best so very excited to see him out and Greg Murphy as well as another guy who's done uh, V8 supercars so um, but yeah he like, sounds like Australian though doesn't he he sounds oh. Greg Murphy sounds Australian yeah we need yeah. we need Tony to pronounce Shane's surname what well, well what? It's, uh, they're New Zealand, not Australian, but it's, uh, it's, you know, it's you, all right. Yeah, all right, uh, fine. Got myself into more trouble. I knew what you were getting at. At, at. least it, at least it wasn't uh, Estonia, Norway. Anyway, go on. Yeah. <laughs> and and if, you, uh, if you're in New Zealand, I believe the event is live on Sky Sports, so you can watch it. It is. Apparently it's, 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 it's sold out or something. Gary put something out. Do you know what? Gary sent me a message today. I have to apologize. Um, with regards to, um, I mentioned something about Danny Soto being the greatest non-championship winning driver. He offered three words in alphabetical order. Hervenen, Latvala, Nouvelle. <laughs> I think Nouvelle's a bit harsh, but okay, guys, I see your point. Uh, listen, uh, my any bit other business this week, uh, it, was, it was me mentioned briefly last week. There's been quite a lot, um, locally. Obviously, we were meant to be doing, uh, an event last weekend, which, um, which was cancelled. Um, I still believe it was the right thing to do. Um, and in my mind, even though, even though it's, it's, it's tricky for, for businesses in the industry at the moment, I, I, I think, if we draw a line and stop trying to do events and just kind of just focus on the future as opposed to getting to the point where we're, we're running the risk of, of events being cancelled all the time and focus on the future, I think it's going to be a better way to go. I genuinely believe that. Um, you know, I've done it as a business and I've done it as a person as well in the, in the sense of uh, almost just letting this go, just, just, just let the current climate uh, over the next few months go, write them off and move forward and when you do that it actually feels a hell of a lot better when you do that i can assure you so that's my name of the business for this week there you go it was more more deep and meaningful than a factual uh, jack thank you for this week my pleasure thank you for having me on well mate mate you, you, listen you, you you're all part of the furniture there's just this furniture gets moved around a little bit at the moment because of different people's schedules so um there you go um trevor agnew thank you uh, you're welcome and again congrats on uh, the email the piece of correspondence you had in the week uh, very complimentary to Absolute Rally and it's a credit to you for again the tenacity to do this every week I've got a good feeling uh, a good understanding of what it takes to produce a podcast every week uh, hey. regularly and fair play to you for doing that continue mate right T- two things right while I'll take the glory and run with it um, but it's a bit like to use another <laughs> football analogy John Terry putting the Chelsea kit on Champions League <laughs> final to me. Um, listen, it, it would never happen and this would never happen without all of you doing the bits that, that you do. All I do is just conduct the orchestra. You play the instruments. Folks, we're back after this break with Killian Duffy. Hi everyone, this is John Desborough, commentator and presenter on the World Rally Championship. I'm hoping you've seen my debut novel, Breaking Point. If you haven't, check it out on eBay. It's a roller coaster ride of deceit and blackmail from a golden age of the WRC. And like a good rally, it starts fast and gets faster. Breaking Point, by me, John Desborough, on eBay now for $7.99. Welcome back to the final section of Absolute Rally and a friend of the show we've not had on for a little while, but 
no doubt you've always heard his association with on the pace note, uh, at least half of uh, on the pace notes anyway, is Killian Duffy. Hello, welcome back to Absolute Rally. Thanks for having me on, Tony. It's good to have you back in the, these crazy times of such limited rallying. I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna check you, you, you're safe and well at the moment, and you're staying healthy. Yes, keeping well. Um, strange signs, as you say. Uh, missing my uh, few um, uh, appearances or, or, or chats with yourself, uh, preview and <laughs> the Tarmac Championship here. To be honest, but uh, listen, I think the whole thing is is on pause. I, I don't think you know it's it's going anywhere. And I, I look forward to 2021 when things are obviously when the this, the word of a vaccination now is is going to make people feel a bit better and, and hopefully we'll be back rallying uh, sometime early in 2021. Uh, fingers crossed, fingers crossed. But you, as ever, uh, I've known you for quite some time now, not sitting back on your laurels. Um, you are offering something which I think, uh, which is kind of being done, but it's probably not kind of being done on this scale uh, from kind of, you know, from, from start to finish the way you're doing it. You, you're offering um this this workshop which is obviously online at the moment the way everything is but it's it, it it's so much more isn't it yeah well basically i always looked obviously i've, I've 20 years co-driving experience and a lot of the stuff in the workshop i suppose like many people with experiences have learned from their mistakes and um, so I, I said why don't i put put something together and um, information a course an information course to basically guide people from knowing zero about co-driving and rallying right up until WRC level and I suppose stage it so that if someone is at national level and has no interest in going to WRC or knowing about WRC then why don't they try to improve at the level they're at so basically I'm taking people the complete course it's called is basically taking absolute novices week one uh, to, to WRC level uh, over a six week period and it's it's pre-recorded and it's also written documentation that will be emailed to people so along with me talking them through it video wise there'll also be a handout um, each of the week so you can they can do it in their own times it's, it's not live it'll be just emails uh, to them each week uh, three three courses in december the first three weeks of december and then three uh, courses in january and if there's any other information that people want to cover then i can i can do an extra week or two uh, obviously uptake i know has been uh, has been massive have we got have we got any have we got any from overseas? Have we managed to, to flirt with people from in different time zones and different parts of the world? Yeah, it's been brilliant. You know, I had a text message of a guy in America yesterday. He just signed up. There's people in New Zealand, uh, Australia, obviously the UK, Ireland, uh, Cyprus, Lebanon. So I've had a good um, a good bit of interest. I suppose people are most thinking, oh, will I, they're thinking that it possibly could be on Zoom or, not, or something like that, but it's actually pre-recorded on email to them, so they can cover it in their own time. It's, it's up to themselves. Obviously, if people sign up to the course, I mean, they want to do it, so there's no point me forcing the time that they have to cover it between 4pm and 6pm on a Monday evening. They can basically have a week to cover the documentation, or they'll store the six weeks information and watch it all in their own time whenever they want and whenever suits them. Or it might be just they might hold on to the end of it there, the, we'll say the WRC part, until they're a, a tackling a WRC round and be able to get the tips and, and, and hints to, to guide them through that at a very high level. I, get, I was just going to come to that. Obviously, you know, the fact that there's, it's not timelined in the sense of, you know, you have to watch it this week and then it disappears. Of course, people can put that to one side and go, right, well, when I get to that point, 
and I know I've got that to, to, to at least give me, you know, a start of, of where I need to be, you know, once, you know, when I first arrive at a WRC event, because it is, you know, you've done it a lot more than me, but, you know, going from that jump from doing, you know, I've gone through the ladder of single venues up to national events, then doing, you know, international events, then doing WRC events. I think when you arrive at a WRC event, uh, it, it, you, you feel so small in the sense of everybody else knows what they're doing and I'm kind of winging it a little bit here at the moment. And I guess what this does, it takes you away from that feeling of winging it because it gives you that element of this is what you're going to see. This is what to expect. This is how people, you know, these are the people you need to be speaking to, et cetera, et cetera. Exactly. It's, it's, you know, when you're competing on, on national events, uh, often in Ireland, UK or wherever you, you normally presume a lot of information so you, you know the format is normally the same but when you go to wrc it's 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 the jump as you say you feel like a small person but it's the things that i'm going to point out in the course to watch out for so you don't get caught out so you don't presume you start the recce on stage one so you don't presume you can recce wherever you want uh, you know certain things like that about fueling about regulations uh, about a recce schedule you know, all the heads up is what I call it, that people don't have to learn the hard way at, at you know, at such a, a high level. So it'll be just that comfort there. And also I'm going to set up a WhatsApp group. So everyone that does the course, it'll be on a WhatsApp group. And it's not for posting rubbish pictures or anything like that. It's basically a network you're going to have then if you are abroad and say, well, listen, I t- take a screenshot of a schedule and say, well, is there anyone that can answer this? Obviously, I'll be on the group as well. But at least you have also a backup there. Um, of a group of co-drivers there that are that are available available to help. Your your missus is going to love you when somebody's doing an event in New Zealand and your <laughs> phone starts pinging at two a.m. and wakes the kids up. I haven't That's thought about go. that. <laughs> I'll have to put time restrictions on it. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Um, obviously, none of us are, are rallying at the moment, and and you know, obviously, we all know the hard work you know you put in with regards to the notes, and obviously, you know, the the, the footage that you provide and stuff like that. This kind of downtime, is it, is, it, is it gave you an edge to get back in a car? It, it actually has. You know what? I've, I've, um, like, I suppose when things are busy, uh, uh, co-driving-wise for myself, I was like, you know, I was happy enough there for the last few years just working and working now. But I'll be honest, because I'm sitting at home and I realise that rallying is what I love and, and it is my downtime. And, and particularly we can't do anything now. And it's the niche, it's the circle you're in. Uh, to be honest with you, I would say now, you know, I was talking to a friend of mine there and, and I think I'll probably end up doing a couple of rallies next year, just purely for fun. Um, hopefully maybe do two, two, two WRC events with them. As it's just purely for fun because this year sitting at home made me realize that, uh, you know, as the saying goes, we're here for a good time, not a long time. So if there is an opportunity to do a couple of events next year, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do them if, if time and work allows uh, for sure because... That's what we love, and 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 that's what I can't wait to get back to. Absolutely, I, I, I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna ask the obvious question. You've just said obviously a couple of WRC events. Are you hearing anything with regards to obviously WRC crossing the North Sea? Have you heard anything more on that from your side? It's quite enough beside, uh, to be honest with you. I really haven't, other than what I've I've read or heard on on your podcast. I I haven't heard anything over this over this side. Um, you know there has been no rumours as such outside of, of the normal media circles um, so no I have no update unfortunately for you 
Oh, I wanted some insight then, Killian. You let me down. I thought you were going to say, <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm getting ready for. That's why I said I'm coming back. It's going to be WRC over, over, over on the Emerald Isle there. But, uh, anyway, so, um, what's the best way Killian has ever of, of people wanting to, 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 to find out a little bit more and get in contact with you and how it all works? Well, if they go on, on the pacenote.ie, uh, go to the shop and then the link is there and all they do is it is 30 euros to sign up that covers the whole course um, the six to probably be eight sessions and uh, then I'll just uh, email them then each week once once we start from the first week of December so on the pace note.ie go into the shop click the complete course and that's it I have your email there and then I'll also request people's uh, phone numbers then before the course, course starts and uh, away we go I'm looking forward to it and again you know it should help people to, it should help people to, to you know, improve their skill set uh, during the winter time when, when there is no rallying so they can, you know, come back to rallying a more improved and more confident self. Do you know, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to be careful what I say, I'm going to put my tin hat on as I say this one, Killian. I'm really genuinely going to put my tin hat on. Bear in mind that there's very little rallying at the moment. Obviously, we know we've got ERC and we've just obviously had the ERC last weekend. But on the whole, you know, we're all in a very similar boat here in the UK and Ireland. Is this not something that maybe necessarily that maybe some young aspiring drivers should be looking at as well to understand a little bit more of what's going on the other side of the car? Yeah, you're you're hundred percent right. And uh, what I'm going to do as well, which would be probably uh, very interesting for the drivers, and I mightn't put a big push on it because it's predominantly it's going to start off with the co-drivers for the first few weeks. But I'm going to do a very very in-depth. Uh, session on pace notes so it'll be me making actually physically making notes on a road and I'll be explaining my notes in greater greater detail than we'll say the sheet at the front to to make people as you say drivers even it'll be very relevant to them that particularly user use our notes to be able to give them an insight on exactly why I call something the way I call it and get you know the terminology and and some of the ideas I have about notes and even trimming down their own notes, if they make their own notes, it'll give them some ideas how to make better notes. It's, you know, and and again, I have to be careful here because I'll probably get lambasted by drivers saying, don't be giving us more work to do. We, 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 we don't, we don't do that. It's the, it's the, you know, it's the, it's the co-drivers union or whatever way you want to put it or whatever. But yeah. to me, if it's, if, if you're trying to make your way and you're serious and you want to try and make a name, in the sport, you know, you have to look at, geez, you know, Andreas Mickelson was sat with Petter Solberg the other week, uh, you know, albeit on demonstration, you know, kind of duties. But, you know, when we've seen uh, Andreas sit with Thierry, I think, last year as well. Um, so, uh, you know, and sitting with uh, yeah, Gary Massey. Of course, of course, yeah, I was just about to come okay. to that. So, you know, mm. th- th- there's got to be some scope here that if, if, if you've got aspirations th- th- to, to learn the other side of the car, um and and and, and almost so, yeah I, I, because you know it's it's one of them it's you can have a conversation I, I guess you you know this better than me but I, I guess being a co-driver sometimes could be probably the loneliest job in the world you only have to look at unfortunately what happened at the weekend uh in the erc obviously with with yeah. uh lucky nooks uh moments of checking in five minutes early i i, I felt so much for this co-driver yeah. i felt because we've all, you know, as a driver, we've all made mistakes. We've, you know, geez, we've, we've, we've gone off. We've got spins. We've done yeah. this. We've got back on. And, you know, it's, it, it's, it's a moment or whatever it may be. When a co-driver has a moment, 
it's it, it's almost unforgivable to me. And I've used this I've used this analogy before. It's like a goalkeeper in a football team. A right back can can lose the ball, and it's normally not the end of the world. Centre forward can lose the ball, not the end of the world. Goalkeeper drops the ball, it's the end of the world. Yep, you're 100 percent right. Yeah, it's it is like co-driving is is a lonely existence, you know, and and it's a big because often small mistakes are punished very highly. I know you could say the same about driving, but like the weekend there with a with co-driver checking in five minutes early, like it it ruins the rally. They put the spotlight on him, and ultimately the relationship in the car is is a tricky one. And and, and the problem is that it, not alone is that that rally that that man is going to take that to every other rally for the rest of his days, and he's going to be nearly doubting himself or double checking himself at every time control. So like it's like a driving in rallies. A lot of rallying is in your head, is in your brain, and the, the you know your the mind games that your brain. It's like when you're going out to the first stage. You're nervous. You don't know what to do. You know, you're not as settled. You repeat that first stage, we'll say a stage four, and all of a sudden you're way quicker and it, it, you didn't, it didn't feel quicker. Why could you not do, do that on the first run over the stage? So again, you know, it's people, it's to get into the proper mindset. So that co-driver, again, he's going to have a long career of probably always second guessing himself. And it's probably in all the probably hundreds of rallies he's done. It's probably the only mistake he ever made. Yeah, no, it was uh, it, it it was a tough one. That's not to say, by the way, if my co-driver is listening, uh, I'm still going to be as hard on you. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> listen, mate. Uh, up for the course. <laughs> yeah, and I'll get him on the course. No, uh, right, mate. Listen, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, I just thought it was a really good opportunity to get you on and, and kind of make people aware that this 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 was available in their downtime, really. This is Absolute Rally. Whether it's the pressures of service or an issue out on the stages, it's vital to have the right equipment to hand. Kielder cordless tools are tailored for the world of motorsport and are being used throughout all forms of competition. Go back to the future with the Kielder Works team. Welcome back to the genuine final section of Absolute Rally. As you've probably figured out, um, I said the final section before Killian was never meant to be like that. So I apologise if I confuse you at this point um, because I wanted to get um, Adam on. Now, Adam, you may remember for, for, for the uninitiated, which joined us around this time last year, Adam, Adam Hall. Hello. Welcome back to Absolute Rally, by the way, Adam. <laughs> Cheers, Tony. It's, Thanks. it's great to have you back because you did something last year which we hadn't seen, it felt like we hadn't seen for, for, for quite some time. And, and you did the Rally Insight book, which I, you very kindly sent me a copy of. Thank you. Uh, which was a proper, what we called coffee table rally book, which we, 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 we kind of took us back to, I don't know, if it, it felt like kind of 20 years ago when it was kind of the norm to have something like that. But we kind of, about, I suppose, when we all got digital, we, you know, when we all got phones and iPads and stuff like that, we all kind of started reading stuff on there. But, you know, that's not always the best way. And I'm glad you brought it back uh, last year. And I'm even, uh, is gladder a word? I don't, I don't think it is, but gladder that you've managed to also work on one for this year. So um, firstly, I'm assuming last year was a bigger success than perhaps you even thought it was going to be. Yeah, I guess ex exactly what you're saying. It's a bit of a throwback to hard copies again, but <clears throat> I think I think that's what people want now. Um, we get so much information from our phones, and you do you always want to get the the news as fast as possible. But sometimes, um, with that 
just getting it so quick and reading it in 30 seconds. We don't have time to enjoy these things. So, yeah, going back to last year, I think people appreciated that and they enjoyed having something again to read, read over Christmas. And with yeah, so many things happening last year, it just worked out really nicely. And, yeah, definitely, even another big thing for me was getting getting good photos in the book as well because when, when you have so many... Um, quality photographers about and they're sharing stuff online but again you don't get the full quality and yeah those guys were really happy to get um, someone a hard copy book again so no it was really nice to do that and yeah let's hope let's hope this this year's is as well received as last year's but i think it should be well, we, we, we do have to talk about this year because you i suppose you you in, in some ways you probably Last year, you didn't realize how spoiled you were for for content yeah. in the sense of you know events going on. You know, you know, obviously, um, obviously the Irish Tarmac series was, was was probably dare I say probably at its best for the you know for the first time in probably ten years or so. Yeah. Um, so you had that to go at, and obviously, you know, uh, obviously World Rally Championship, and you know, the various various championships, of course, which you, you, you covered in the book. Whereas this year, it's, it's, this is probably going to be the toughest one to do. So uh, how yeah. have you kind of got yourself in a mindset that you think, well, I'm going to do this anyway, burden in mind, just, you know, how limited you are, what you've got to go at, really? Yeah, I was thinking about this earlier because, to be honest, I never really thought of not doing it just after. Okay, good for you. After how, how things went last year and everybody was so supportive and, yeah, when you when you, you do something like this, and you are definitely hesitant whether whether people will want want to spend fifteen quid on on a book um, or whatever, especially being the first one and just getting the response. I knew uh, I needed to keep on doing this. So yeah, I think we had the ultimate tease this year as well with how well it got the way it went, and then the entry for West Cork again. Like yeah, it's, oh, I've talked about this so many times to different people and you seen the top 30 there it really was ridiculous like it was like a wrc2 or an erc event really um and yeah the guys in west cork know how to put on a rally and they know how to put on a weekend so not to get that was really disappointing for everyone and of course it had to be done um but i don't think back then we was seeing what was coming um, for the rest of the year, uh, but yeah, I think for the book when when we went into lockdown, I had three weeks off work, um, and yeah, got got in touch with people um, I talked to over the past year or so, and I think everybody had plenty of time just to sit down and talk about about their years and rallying. So yeah, I think. Don't know, I'll, I'll give a few names of guys I was talking to. Um, the first one maybe I chatted to was Alan Harriman. So he has been co-driving for years and years. Um, he's from Bangor in Northern Ireland and he, he's, yeah, he's, he's done rallies all over the world. And of course he's the son of Terry Harriman. So, um, Alan was in contact with me last Christmas about my book and they actually bought, uh, book at a auction over here in Belfast as well so it was nice to chat to Alan and yeah it was was a nice year for him as well because he, he won his first rally in Italy after 
maybe 20 years of trying. So, yeah, just getting in touch with guys like that and um, sat down. Well, I didn't sit down, but I was talking to Paul Nagel as well over lockdown and just hearing him talk about uh, coming up through the sport. You know, you think of Paul, you think of Chris and Craig and WRC, ERC, IRC, all those years. But, um, you know, Paul sat and talked for 30 minutes about rallying before he even got to the World Championship. Like, he really has been, um, to, yeah, he had to put so much work in to, to make his career happen. So just hearing stories like that um, and following what happened in Galway as well at the start of the year. I knew, I knew the content was there for yeah a better book this year probably than last year. Wow. I was just about to say, obviously, I, I was going to see what the, the contributors, I, I, you know, I can relate to it so much is that, you know, obviously these days because news and things like that is, is so readily available, you, you know, Listen, it would be tantamount to impossible now for a podcast, I think, probably to break news, as it were. You know, there's, yeah. there's plenty of people who like to try and think that they do. But the reality is it's already been muted somewhere else or whatever. So you've kind of got to look at it from from a retrospective point of view. And, and, and you know, that's something which we enjoy doing as well. And um, it is amazing when you get the right people. Um, and we've been blessed you know, even recently. You know, obviously, we had... Gwyndaf with us last week and Yari Matty has been yeah, on before brilliant. and things like that you know they, they, that, yeah. that's when I'm at my element because that's when you turn into a bit of a fan do you, do, you, do you find that as well because you're a fan and you're getting kind of an audience with you know a one-to-one audience albeit whether it's via phone or zoom or whatever it may be is that where you kind of enjoy it because you're getting to ask questions perhaps you probably would have asked when you you wanted to when you were a small boy yeah big time like I think every every one of the the guys um, I've been talking to, like you, you get that feeling. I think I've I've been reporting and writing for a few years now, so it it, it becomes less so like that. I think you you focus on getting good quality content out there, and yeah, you know yourself when life's busy, you, you don't think about things as much. But I think it dawned on me um, about a month ago. I was talking to Matthew Wilson about um, the return to stages rally. So there's a wee bit about that in the book as well. But um, uh, I'm to Matt and, of course, he's a lovely guy to talk to. Um, But, yeah, sitting sitting down at home again, I just realised one of the first um, proper model rally cars was the Stobart Focus from, I think it was Rally GB, but it was the year I'd seen the car and Matthew Wilson's hands around the stages in Fermanagh for Rally Ireland and yeah to think to think now that this book's being put together from interviews with guys like that was was a nice feeling um, when that sort of it just dawned on me that that had happened you make me feel old when you say that <laughs> you make me feel very old Adam um, listen it, it, it is fantastic to think that you know you are going to have the book out this year obviously there'll be plenty of repeat orders um with regards to you know people who do want to to to, to pick up you know the 2020 yearbook again what's the what's the best way of going about doing that yeah so um again because it's it's something that's um being done of plenty of good contributors and great photographers and guys helping out but in terms of the organizing of it and putting it together it's, it's largely run out of um, my home, my office. So, 
and if people contact me directly, um, I've found that's worked well. And it's it's just yeah, it's the easiest way for something like this. So if they email me at rallyinsight at gmail dot com or as well, you can um, contact Rally Insight on Facebook or Twitter, and I'll get get back to you as soon as possible. Fantastic! Listen, I really enjoyed it. It did see me through um, that Boxing Day lull uh, <laughs> last Christmas, so I, I, I do appreciate it. And then I actually left it in my car, um, so yeah. when I had a little bit of downtime before I sat somewhere, rather than just go into my phone, which is what we're all guilty of these days, I actually had a book in my car, which stopped me staring at a screen. So you got me through some uh, some traffic jams as well. So thank you for that, Adam. <laughs> there you go. Brilliant. There you go. Listen, the passenger seat. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, thank you so much for joining us. As I say, for if you do want to get involved, you've just heard how you can contact Adam. There's also on Twitter as well, of course, at uh, Rally Insight. Um, you can drop a message there. Um, if you've not got involved, in fact, Adam, have you got involved in our wheel competition yet? I've done it with my friends offline, but yeah, I need oh. to first. <laughs> You've got to get your answers in. Right, we are going to do this next week, folks. I did threaten to do it this week, but I'll be honest with you, something kind of happened, and it's ended up going to several people, like Craig Breen. Uh, Yari Matty got hold of it as well. Um, Julian Porter's got it, and there's a couple of other people in WRC um, who've got hold of it now. Now, whether they're going to allow me to announce, those three were quite happy for me to say that they're doing it. Uh, obviously, they're not going to be in for the prize draw. Um, but just for fun, a couple of the other people at WRC at various teams have got it now as well. So we're trying to see who would be happy for me to announce their answers. So that's why we've delayed it a week. Uh, and the guys from Kiel are going to come on next week as well when we do it and draw it. So, Adam, get your answer yep. in. Just be brave, be bold. Get your answer in, oh. Okay. And um, there's going to be a good competition between those guys as well. Oh. <laughs> want the, uh, well, I've, I've ran, we ran a, roll, a poll on Twitter, and all as I can say is, is the, the Twitter poll um, where people have voted who they think has got the most right is a little bit wrong. Ooh. Is a little bit wrong, and that's all I'm going to say. I'm going to announce it all next week of uh, how, how everybody done on it. But listen, uh, Adam, thank you so much for joining us. That is the end of the podcast for this week, folks. Um, one last thing: we had a, 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 Trev made reference to it. Some fantastic comments uh, on iTunes. It really does make a difference to us, and does make a difference to our to our partners and stuff. So, um, if if you have got a minute or so to, to, to leave a review on iTunes, it is gratefully received. And we'll be back same time, same place with the winners and losers of course of the competition in your little podcast all next week Absolute Rally powered by the Kielder Works team spread the word and download the podcast every week